Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. Father, in the name of Jesus, we love you. God, there is no one like our King. There is no one like you, God. There is no one like you, God. You're alive, and your grave, your tomb is empty. You're alive, and you're speaking. And even though there might be those in here that might not know what's going on, but we cannot deny the presence of the Holy Spirit on our hearts. We cannot deny the burning within us. We cannot deny the freedom that you've given us. Father, I just do confess that without you, I'm nothing. God, I cannot speak. I cannot speak without you. So Holy Spirit, I ask for your anointing right now. I ask for the grace to speak what you've put on my heart. And Lord, I pray that everyone here would have a receiving heart, God, that Holy Spirit, even as you've, you've, you're already here, but as the service continues, begin to just burn on, on those hearts, Lord. Everyone listening, whether here right now, whether listening on the podcast, whoever will see it, God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we'll just get right in. Um, if you notice, the theme of today, the overwhelming theme has been hunger, hungering after God. And uh, that's what I'm going to be speaking on today, spiritual hunger. It's what I have been feeling God put on my heart, and usually that's, that's what it is. Every time we get up here, it's whatever God is working in our heart, and we just believe that God wants to do something in everyone's life. In everyone's life. And a few weeks ago, I spoke on surrender, learning how to live a surrendered life before God, not holding anything back, recognizing and realizing that he's the one that created us, knows our desires, knows our calling, knows everything about us, and is just waiting for us to say, God, you can have my life, and we learn how to live surrendered. I spoke on that already a few weeks ago, and today I want to talk about something that goes hand in hand with surrender, and it's the reality of spiritual hunger. It's, it's asking, I believe the greatest gift we can ask from the Holy Spirit is the gift of hunger. I mean, there's the spiritual gifts that we, we do ask for and we do seek. And Paul urges us to, to urgently, earnestly, I mean, seek these gifts. So we seek these gifts, but I believe one of the greatest things that we can ask God for is spiritual hunger. Because what accompanies hunger, even in the natural, is a certain desperation, right? How, how, how many of you, if you go too long without eating, there's a certain desperation that happens? I'm talking about in the natural, right? I mean, what's the, what's the rule of thumb when you grocery shop? Never go grocery shopping on an empty stomach, right? Because everything looks good. And you end up paying way more than you went to go because you're like, ooh, that looks good, that looks good, and everything looks good. There's a certain desperation, there's a certain longing that comes when you're hungry. I believe spiritual hunger is what we, it's, it's something that even God put in me afresh. To, because I'm, I'm just not, it's, it's weird, it's like, I believe Kelly was saying it a little bit today. We're content, 
but we're not satisfied because we know there's more. And, and it's weird, it's this dilemma of, I'm content, I'm free, I'm full of joy, I love God, I live free, but I know there's more. There was a guy, uh, who in here have heard of um, John G. Lake? You guys ever heard of him? Okay, amazing man of God, you know, one of the quote unquote generals of the faith that we say. And the guy worked in amazing healing ministry. Um, they say, the research shows during his healing ministry in Spokane, Washington at the time, supposedly that city was known as the healthiest city in the nation at that time. It's what I've heard. And it was during the time where he had his healing ministry and there were so many like things that would take place, like crazy healings, stuff that we've never seen before, but we're going to. And the Lord began to put in his own heart he knew that there was something more. And people around him, people, uh, around him would say, you have it, but you have it. Or else your, your, your ministry wouldn't be that successful. Your ministry wouldn't be like, look where your ministry's at. And he said, yet there was something deep longing within my soul. I love, I love reading like these because I'm just not, I don't want to just do the bare minimum to get to heaven. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and I don't think anyone does, even if they kind of are acting like that way or, or may think that right now. I think in reality, no one wants that if you know what's available. Spiritual hunger. Spiritual hunger. We need the Holy Spirit to make us hungry, to make us desperate. I want to open up in Scripture here. If you have your Bibles... Turn with me to Matthew 9. The scripture will be on the screen as well. I'm going to be reading this particular one out of uh, the New King James Version. It's Matthew 9, verses 14 and 15. I want to start here and kind of expound on some hunger. On hunger. <laughs> All right. So Matthew 9, it says, Then the disciples of John came to him, Jesus, saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. That's so amazing. How many of you in here have fasted before? Okay, let me ask this. How many get hangry? <laughs> yeah, you, you get so hungry, you get a little, you know, irritable and stuff. The way I read this, a lot of times when I read the word, when I begin to, what I call meditate on the word, and I'll just take a, a, a section like this and just read through it and close my eyes, and I begin to just let a movie play out in my own mind, and I'm just kind of picturing how this might have gone. It, I mean, the Bible doesn't say that, but there's a lot of like, uh, um, you know, miss spaces sometimes that we don't really see. Sometimes there's years and years between scriptures and it takes a little bit digging to go in. But I'm reading this portion of scripture and I can just see you have the disciples of John, John the Baptist. You have the disciples of John that he's raising up and they are fasting regularly probably. They have a discipline of fasting, going without food. It's something that is all throughout the Bible, something in the Old Testament and they're fasting but they're, they're human like us. They're just, I'm sure they're having good days and bad days and 
days that they don't really feel like doing. And I can just imagine, here you have Jesus' disciples, and these guys are feasting. They're not fasting. They're like, and so, and, and, and John's disciples, they take note of that. And I mean, I could just imagine one of John's disciples going up to John before they go up to Jesus. And like, John, like, what's, like, why do we fast? Like, you know, he's going up to him, hold up, swole up. Like, what's, what's going on here? Like, why are we fasting? I want to eat. And, and, and Jesus, he's the Messiah, but his guys, they're not fasting. And, and, and I can just picture him getting, you know, a little bit of courage and boldness to just kind of ask Jesus, Jesus, hey, can I ask you a question? Why do we fast? And even the Pharisees fast, but your guys ain't fasting. And as always, Jesus is so witty. And so he always answers a question with a question. He, he knows how to get you to think different. He knows how to change your perspective when he answers questions. I love that. That's one of the things I ask for. I'm like, Holy Spirit, give me that anointing. Like, give me that. Because there's so many times where people you, we run into, they have questions like, like questions that I even still have. And yet Jesus always had a wisdom to like change your perspective and to have you think different. But anyway, in this particular scripture, he says, how can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the, the, as, he's, as long as the bridegroom is with them? Now, for those that may not have read this particular passage, uh, Jesus is referring to himself as the bridegroom. His disciples are the friends of the bridegroom. So he's saying, I'm with them right now. See, see John or whoever was the one that asked them, the disciples of John, you're used to fasting as a discipline and something that causes heaven to move, right? We fast for a reason. You're used to that. But I'm about to introduce a whole other fast. And it's a fast of longing for my presence. See, I'm with them right now. I'm with them. They don't, they're, they're, they're with me every day. They're seeing my miracles. I'm fellowshiping, fellowshipping with them. But there will come a day that I'll be taken from them. Oh, and then they're going to fast. And then they will fast. They'll go without food to get more of my presence. They'll go without entertainment to get more of my presence. They'll wake up an hour early before work to get more of my presence. They'll shut off Facebook and Instagram to get more of my presence. I'm just kind of speaking the modern day version of things that God has put in my own life. I'm not even pointing a finger. I'm saying these are things oftentimes, it's like Donnie was saying, heavens are open, God is open, but oftentimes we're not. And, and I didn't plan on saying this part, but I'm just thinking, you guys know when like, you're listening to the radio station, even though most of us nowadays don't even listen to radio station too much. It's all, we got Apple Music and Spotify and all that stuff. But you listen to a radio station, let's say 88.3. Let's just pick that one, Z radio, easy, right? What happens if you go to 88.1? A little fuzzy, right? You might hear it, but they're static. You can't hear it that good. I felt like the Lord speak, spoke to me one time and, 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 and told me to remove the static from my life. And when you remove the static and all of a sudden you switch to the right dial, you realize it's playing all along and it's ultra clear. I believe God is always speaking. He's always speaking. It's up to us 
to get hungry for his presence. The reality is everyone is hungry for something. That, that's, that's, just the, that's just the truth. Whether you know it or not, anytime your soul, your person, when I say soul, don't think of something weird. It's our, our mind, will, and emotions. It's what makes up our personality and all that. Anytime your soul is longing to do something, even in uh, uh, entertainment again, even who is completely in love with a certain sport, anytime you're longing to do something, you're hungry for the reward that that thing brings. You get it? Everyone is hungry for something. Everyone's thirsty for something. The question then becomes, what is it that we're hungry for? That's the question. And Jesus, I want to turn to another portion of scripture that just came to my heart. Jesus, in John chapter 7, John chapter 7, excuse me, and verse 37 and 38, I want to read a portion of scripture. I'm going to be reading this out of the Passion Translation because I love how it words it. The other day, I was just thinking of these things as the Lord was just speaking to me and preparing for this message. And honestly, just for myself, not even really to uh, studying to preach a message. I, I, I like to study to be with him. I like to get alone with God just for the fact of getting to be with him. And so I'm there and I, and I hear this phrase, rivers of living waters. And so I don't even know what, I don't even know how I ended up on John. I had my, I, I usually read out of ESV. And then I had my passion translation um, in front of me. And I turn and I find, you know how above portions of scripture, there is uh, like little headings and stuff. And it said it right there, rivers of living water, right before John, John 7. Here's what it says. Then on the most important day of the feast, the last day, Jesus stood and shouted out to the crowds, all you thirsty ones, come to me. Come to me and drink. Believe in me so that rivers of living waters will burst from within you, flowing from your innermost being. And I can just picture Jesus in this feast, and on the most important day, the last day, you know, the other days he's there, he's, he's talking with the people, he's, he's observing, he's seeing, he's in the conversations, he's seeing what they're talking about, what they're going after, some are drinking, some are whatever, and all of a sudden, at the very end, it's, it's almost like if he can't, he can't take it anymore. His heart is longing for people to come after him. His heart is longing for the veil to be taken away, for them to see who he truly is. And he gets up and he shouts it. All you thirsty ones. He's saying, all of you are thirsty. I can see it. You're just filling it with the wrong things. All of you are thirsty. I'm telling you, come to me. Come to me and I will fill you with rivers of living waters. And it's like he told the woman at the well, if you drink of my water, you'll never thirst again. Even Jeremiah, when he's prophesying, talks about Broken cisterns that can hold no water, meaning these, these, these leaking pots that can hold no water. You keep filling yourself, you keep filling yourself with other stuff, and it never satisfies. 
We were made to be addicted to the presence of Jesus. We were made to be addicted. We were made to be hungry. Hungry. God, give us spiritual hunger. Give us spiritual hunger, God. Help me to articulate what's burning on my heart. Help me to articulate what it is that you've put, God. You know, Acts chapter two, the famous, the day of Pentecost, the very first outpouring of the Holy Spirit, you have the Old Testament, God with you, God upon you, Holy Spirit upon you at times, and then you have the New Testament, and so many times I ask God to open up my eyes and to show me what it really means. 15 years later, I'm still asking, who am I? Show me, because I feel like if I really, 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 really know and really believe, watch out, right? I mean, come on, Jesus walked on water. That's real, that happened. Like he defied laws of gravity. He defied every other scientific law and he walked on water. And he constantly says, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, believe. And so there's something, when we're not doing the greater works, and, and, and something, or we're praying for someone and they don't get healed, or, or God doesn't move in the way that we think he should, instead of us creating whole other theologies and doctrines and forming all other denominations on what we can understand, I think it's just more wise to say, God, what is it that I'm not seeing? Because your word says it, and I'm not seeing it for whatever reason, and something's not happening. I mean, come on, how many times have you prayed for someone to be healed and they don't get healed? I mean, I've been prayed for and not get healed, and I've prayed for people and not get healed, and I pray for people and they do get healed. But it's like every time Jesus prayed for someone, they were healed. Every time, every time. And he never sent anyone away. He always was willing. I love that. Was it the leper, the one that came to him and asked? I can't remember. Someone came to him and said, Lord, if you are willing, I am willing. I am willing. But back to Acts 2, I'm talking about here you have Jesus being with the disciples and he is like crushing hell every single day that he walks. Jesus is casting out devils. He's healing all kinds of sicknesses. He's causing a ruckus. They want to kill him. They want to get rid of him. Some people love him. That one day the crowds are following him. The next day they want to throw him off a cliff. He's causing all this havoc. And he commands the disciples before they leave he co- I mean, before he, he is about to get crucified, he commands them to wait for the promise of the Father. Actually, I believe it was, he, he, he died, he appeared, the resurrected Lord appeared, First or Second Corinthians says that, I think Donnie mentioned it a couple weeks ago, he appeared to actually over 500 at a time, it says. And yet, in Acts chapter two, there are only about 120. It says about 120. So my question is, I mean, most people believe that it was the whole 500 that he said, wait for the promise of the Father. So my question is, where were the other 380? Did they get tired of waiting? Did they get tired of waiting? Was their hunger dwindling? Were they getting distracted? I don't know. Maybe at a later time after they understood what they, what they did and what they missed, they might have repented and God filled them because that's how awesome he is when we repent. He's not going to like, oh, nope, you missed it. First shot, you missed it. 
But still, there was something, there was a hunger that drove the 120, those in the upper room that waited. There was something that drove them to wait, and it was hunger for Jesus. It was not being satisfied. It was understanding they knew that there was something more. And then all of a sudden, what does scripture say? Acts chapter two, verses one through four. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. I am praying for that so bad here at Ascension. The leadership here, we are like, this is what we want. If you didn't experience, if you haven't experienced this kind of um, service before, like, that's what we're after. If, if you can't tell already, we are not religious people and we do not want to just come and play church. What, what did that look like? Let me just talk to y'all, you know, like what, what did that look like? The day of Pentecost, it says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. This was physical, real wind. This wasn't just spiritual. This was, if you're in the room, curtains are moving like this is intense. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Something that God has just been putting afresh on my heart is the longing for fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Like, he is, it's interesting, I've heard it said before that there's, there's uh, this is just a joke, but there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Forgotten. That's like an ouch, right? He's not God the forgotten. Holy Spirit knows what I mean. I don't even like saying that, but it's like a preacher made a joke about that, that it's been God the forgotten because we tend to forget sometimes. Not, not this church, we don't, but a lot of times he, he gets put on the back burner and then we realize that, you know, because sometimes th there's a lot of things that if you've been around the church for, for long enough, you'd know what I'm saying, that sometimes Holy Spirit activity might look a little weird. Our bodies sometimes can't handle some things. And then sometimes it's just people's emotions that really is not the spirit. But one thing that God has just been burning in my heart afresh is the need and the desire for the Holy Spirit. Realizing that I can't do anything apart from him. None of us can function None of us, if you are a born again believer in this place, you need the Holy Spirit to love Jesus more. You need the Holy Spirit to, to love those around you. You need the Holy Spirit to go deeper in your walk with God. The Holy Spirit is our mentor. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. The Holy Spirit is our divine escort, I like to call. He's the one that searches the deep things of God, it says, and reveals them to us. The Holy Spirit, he's our friend. He's God on the inside. He's just as much as God the, Son, God the Son, God the Father, Holy Spirit. 
And there's so much I don't understand sometimes how it all works. But I lay that aside and I worship him. I just believe that in order to even be hungry, you know, here's just something real practical. Speaking about hunger, just get real practical with you guys. Hopefully you can, I'm speaking clear enough to explain why I believe spiritual hunger is one of the greatest gifts we can ask of God. Ask the Holy Spirit, if you're not hungry, if you feel that your, your fire has dwindled, if you've never experienced the fire, if you've never experienced God on the inside, just simply ask him. Just simply ask him. Surrender your life afresh and ask him to fill you. When God fills our hearts, when Holy Spirit comes inside and fills us, it's very hard to have an appetite for anything else. You'll find how much easier this life is, this Christian life that we walk, when we know who we are and we're surrendered to the one who lives within us. There's a guy I used to listen to a whole lot. Uh, his name's Coy Russell. He talks about the Holy Spirit in us, and it's as if we have is great way more than this, but to give us a picture, it's like we have $2 billion on the inside and we're living off two cents a day. Like that's like, we have to access him. Jesus was just so, you know what? Let's, let's turn there. This is off. I didn't give Joel this, but this is John chapter 14. Jesus, there was such an emphasis. Jesus is like, Guys, I'm getting ready to leave, but it's better. What? I mean, what can be better than Jesus in the flesh, like living here with us? And he's telling us, guys, it's better that I leave. Because when I leave, the Father is going to send you another helper. When I leave, see, Jesus on the earth before his resurrection, Jesus on the earth was in one place at a time. Just one person. He came as a man. He laid aside his godly. He was still God, but he laid it all aside, lived as a man, showed us what it was like to live as a man possessed by the Holy Spirit. Absolutely possessed by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus showed us that. And he tells his disciples, guys, it's better if I leave because the father, he's going to send the helper. And then guess what? I'll be in you and I'll be in you, and I'll be in you, and I'll be in you, and you, and every single person that gives themselves to me, I will manifest my presence within you. Really, Christians, us Christians, we are like little Christ ones. Like, that's not blasphemy. Like, God likes it that way. God wants us to know who we are. God likes it that way. We, we literally get to trump over hell. I mean, we're his body and everything's under his feet. So they're under ours too, right? Like God, God likes it that way. Let me get back to the scripture. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. This is John chapter 14, verse 15. I'll be closing soon actually, but if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper. That word another is literally the same 
kind, another helper, to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you will also live. And in that day, you will know that I am in the Father and you in me. It's just amazing words of Jesus. I am in the Father, you are in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. Let me repeat that. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he will be loved by my father. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. I love the passion translation. It says, he who passionately loves me will be passionately loved by my father. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. I'm just continuing to read because Jesus' words are better than mine. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm loving this right now. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. We need the Holy Spirit, church. God, we cry out for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, even now, even right now, I pray that you burn on people's hearts, God. Just like in Luke 24, on the road to Emmaus, Jesus, when you showed up to those disciples. In Luke 24, it's one of my favorite, one of my favorite portions. It's Jesus, he, he's already risen, and he shows up. On the road to Emmaus, he shows up to a couple disciples. If I can get the worship team to come up, I'm gonna close soon. He shows up to a couple disciples, and however he does this, I have no idea, he, he veils himself to where they can't recognize him. I don't know if it was his main disciples or if it was other disciples, who knows. How, whatever reason, they couldn't recognize him. And he shows up to them. And I just love this. These two guys are talking about everything that has just happened. And can you imagine like us, if something like that, if, if it was us in that time, and, and just me and Donnie are just up here like, man, can you believe that? And man, look what they did. And man, that was brutal. And I can't believe they did that man like that. I mean, he was innocent. Like there was nothing. Like why'd they do that? I can't believe that. You know, like that kind of talk, just, they're just talking, just two disciples walking and talking. And Jesus comes out of nowhere what are y'all talking about? And he's like, and then one of the disciples are like, are you the only stranger that, haven't, that hasn't heard the things that happen? And once again, I love Jesus's personality. I can just see him smiling as he says, what things? Literally just, what things? I mean, <laughs> what things? And they begin to, tell him all this stuff. And he says, it's kind of a rebuke. He says, slow to believe, 
something like that. I can't remember word for word, but he starts telling them, oh, how foolish you were slow to believe. Was not the Christ to suffer these things and enter into his glory? And then it says from Genesis, the whole Testament, he begins talking about the word and how it related to Jesus, to him, but they don't know that yet. They're walking with him. And here's what he does. Here's what Jesus does. It kind of goes back to that scripture of him saying, when I'm taken from him, from them, then they will fast. Then they will mourn. Then they will want me. He, he puts an ache in our hearts and he creates a hunger to come after him. And they're there in Luke 24. And it actually says that Jesus pretended. He acted as if he was going to walk away. He's like, let me see now. I've, I've already dropped the bomb. Their hearts have been burning. I'm saying all this. All right, let me see what the response is. And he acts like he's going to walk away. And they're like, no, don't leave. Stay with us. Stay with us. Goes into the room. And when they break bread, their eyes were opened. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.